The Blevins Franks Report with Rob Kay of Blevins Franks Wealth Management. It's that time here on Riviera Radio where we say good morning to Rob Kay. How are you, Rob? I'm very well, thank you. How are yourself? I am, thank you. Good. Well, judging by the number of questions posted to the Riviera Radio question portal, Radio at blevinsfranks.com, following our recent discussions about UK pensions in the post-Brexit world, we need to focus on clearing up a few misunderstandings and filling in some gaps in our knowledge bank. But before we discuss pensions, what caught your eye in the news this past week? Well, as we reported last week, Howard, President Macron was re-elected on the, on the 24th of April with a 58.55% majority of the vote. And yesterday, he was formally reinvested. The investiture ceremony took place at the Salle de Fête, at the Elysee Palace, but unlike many other countries... The French presidential inauguration does not include an oath of office, but it did involve a lot of ceremonial practices. Laurent Fabius, the president of the Constitutional Council, formally announced the official election results. Macron was then recognised as the Grand Master of the National Order of the Legion d'Honneur, which was followed by his inauguration speech and a 21-gun salute, a tradition which some re-elected presidents have skipped in the last uh, little while. Um, as you would expect, the ceremony ended with lots of flag-waving and everyone sang the, the Marseillaise. Now, in other news, British passports hit the headlines this week when Boris Johnson publicly instructed the UK Passport Office to recruit more staff because of um, unwelcome delays. A word of warning, though. If you intend to travel this summer and you need to renew your UK passport, once you submit the online renewal, you'll then be asked to return your old passport. Once it's been officially received by the passport office, you'll then get a formal notification telling you it could take up to 10 weeks to receive the replacement. The validity of British passports was also in the news this week. When non-EU travellers travel to Europe, their passports must be valid for at least three months after the date they intend to leave, and their passports must have been issued within the previous 10 years. Now, before September 2018, if you renewed your passport early, the UK credited passport holders for the unspent time on their previous passports, which means it is possible to have a passport that's still valid, but one that was issued more than 10 years ago. Technically, it could be valid for up to 10 years and 9 months. A passport issued, say, today, 10 years ago on the 8th of May 2012, could have an expiry date of the 8th of February 2023. Several British travellers have been stopped from boarding flights to Europe because their passports were with more than, that are more than 10 years old at the time they're in the European community. Two examples of why it's, it's prudent to plan early. From, from personal experience, I know renewing your passport in good time saves an awful lot of stress and a lot of anxiety. Coincidentally this week, the European Commission proposed a simplification of the residence rules for non-EU nationals who live on a long-term basis in the European Union. The intention is to ease the procedures which are required to acquire long-term EU residency, move to another EU country and improve the rights of family members. However, the new measures will have to be approved by the European Parliament and the EU Council, which is made up of ministers who will obviously do what their respective governments tell them to do. As the UK makes final preparations for the Queen's Platinum Jubilee at the start of next month, it was announced this week that the new Crossrail service, the Elizabethan Line, will open on the 24th 
of May, three and a half years later than scheduled and billions of pounds over budget. The project is in the final phase of testing. Trains are already running between Reading and Paddington in the west and Shenfield and Liverpool Street in the east. The remaining piece of the jigsaw is the most complex and vital, connecting the two ends through the heart of London. Once it's opened on May 24th, the line will adopt its new name in honour of the Queen and there will be 24 nine-car trains running through central section of London every hour. I used to live near Shenfield. (laughs) Oddly (laughs) enough. (laughs) Anyway, so turning to today's subject, many of the listeners will have or be entitled to a UK state pension. Could you give us an overview yeah, of course. If, you, if you're if 66 and entitled to a UK state pension, you will receive £9,628 a year. But to qualify for the full amount, you'll have to have paid UK national insurance contributions for 35 years. If you need to have contributed also for a minimum of 10 years to actually qualify for a UK state pension. But if you've exceeded the 10-year minimum, what you'll be receiving will be pro rata based on how much of the 35 years you've secured. If you've paid your 35 years of national insurance, as one gentleman I spoke to this week had, and you're still working, unfortunately, you still have to pay national insurance contributions because it's a tax, and that's uh, a tax that's raising about £125 billion a year for the UK government. We frequently uh, are asked questions, such as, can I pay voluntary contributions and buy back years, especially if I don't have 10 years that are qualifying? Usually you can buy back six years. The deadline is the 5th of April each year. You have until the 5th of April 2023 to make up for gaps for the tax year 2016 to 2017. You can sometimes pay for gaps from, from more than six years ago, depending on your age. The standard cost of buying Class 3 national insurance contributions is £15.85 for a week of missing contributions for the 22-23 tax year. To buy about the whole year, it will cost you £824.20 and your state pension would increase by £275 for that one year bought back, which doesn't sound too good. But if you think about it, after four years, your investment will be reaping a 33% return, which is not bad in anyone's book. If you're unsure about your UK state pension entitlement or the number of qualifying years you paid national insurance contributions, you can obtain a UK state pension forecast. Now, from personal experience, I can tell you, trying to navigate the UK government's website as a non-UK resident with no UK postcode, it's a very frustrating and more than slightly annoying experience. I would therefore recommend you go to the UK government's website, www.gov.uk, and download what's known as the BR19 form. If you fill it in and post it back to the Department of Works and Pensions, they'll give you a synopsis of your UK state pension benefits. Several listeners have asked quite specific questions about defined contribution pensions and defined benefit pensions. So what's the difference? Um, People who have worked for UK companies frequently have company pensions, which are referred to as defined benefits pensions. The reason for the, for the name is the accrual of benefits is based on the number of years you've worked for the company and your final salary. The basic idea was when you came to retire after a long and successful career, you would receive a pension which is based on the time with the firm 
and your final salary when you left their employment. There were many different versions of uh, defined benefits final salary schemes, but some of the best were referred to as 60th schemes. When you retired after working for 40 years for a firm that had a 60th scheme pension scheme, you would receive 40 60ths of your final salary, which was usually indexed for the rest of your life. Final salary schemes have become more and more of a rarity because they, they create a massive ongoing liability for the employer. In the news, I'm sure everyone's frequently heard about pension black holes on companies' balance sheets. These days, employers favour defined contribution pensions because although they have a financial commitment, it's quantifiable. Individuals have used defined contribution pensions, also known as money purchase pensions, for years. The UK government encourages people to save for their retirement by offering tax relief on pension contributions. And while the money is accumulating within the pension, it grows tax-free. Although they've been much maligned over the years, personal pensions have helped lots of people create some very, very valuable pots of savings through the tax advantages, the actual enforcing of a savings culture. And the other thing is not being able to get a hold of your hand, get hold of the money or get your hands on the money until you're at least 55. Could you explain what the lifetime allowance is and does it apply to French residents? Um, yeah, in, in very simple terms, a life, lifetime allowance is the maximum combined amount you can accumulate in UK pensions, whether they're defined benefits or defined contribution schemes. The lifetime allowance was first introduced way back in 2006 when the threshold was set at £1.4 million. That threshold was gradually increased over the next six years to £1.8 million. But then, in 2016, it was slashed down to £1 million. Since then, it has increased in line with inflation to its current level, which is £1,073,000. However, in Rishi Sunak's first budget last year, he froze the threshold at that level for the next five years. Any amount above the lifetime allowance is subject to a one-off tax charge of 25% if the excess is paid as a pension. But if the excess is paid as a lump sum, that tax charge jumps to 55%. It can be applied in either way or a combination of both, depending on how you take the excess benefits above the lifetime allowance. So what is a QROPS? Um, very simply, Howard, a QROPS is a Qualifying Recognised Overseas Pension Scheme. Um, it's been the, the, these curates they were created to receive monies from UK pensions when the owner of the pension has moved abroad. To be able to receive the monies from a UK pension, the curates must be approved by HMRC. So, to a certain extent, there's some degree of comfort in that fact alone. The lifetime allowance is actually a popular reason why many people who move abroad choose to transfer their UK pensions to curates because any further appreciation in the value won't expose the pension to the lifetime allowance tax charge. Your pension can safely accrue and appreciate in value, safe in the knowledge that it's not running the risk of a 25 or, worse still, 55% tax charge. There can be lots of reasons why people transfer their pensions to Curops. Many decide they, they've left the UK, so why are they leaving a major asset behind them, completely at the mercy of the UK taxman? We shouldn't forget, prior to 2006, you could save whatever amount you wanted in your pension and there was no tax penalties. There is also about £3 trillion in UK private pensions, so it's a massive potential target for any future Chancellor or future government.
Another big reason for transferring can be currency. UK pensions are paid in sterling, which is not helpful if most of your expenses need to be paid in euros. More recently, another big driver for people transferring is UK advisors and pension firms just can't offer European residents any advice or guidance. Pensions is certainly one area where you don't want to be going into bat completely on your own and massively exposed. So, is the overseas transfer charge something else? And if so, can it adversely impact our listeners' pensions? Yeah, Philip, uh, Philip Hammond, the then UK Chancellor of the Exchequer, introduced the overseas transfer charge in his 2017 budget. Um, it, was, it was introduced to defer people so, oh, sorry, not to defer, deter people from transferring their pensions out of the UK for what he described as purely tax avoidance reasons. What that really meant was, we've allowed you to accumulate pension benefits in a beneficial tax environment. Now you're moving away and we won't see any tax revenue, so we'll apply an exit tax when you leave or when you transfer. Importantly, at the moment, not all Curops transfers are subject to the overseas transfer charge. If you live in the EU and you transfer to an EU Curops, the charge won't be applied. But be careful. If you move again and then you're living outside of the EU, the tax charge will come back and be applied retrospectively. Obviously, Monaco is not in the EU, so Monagas residents need to be extra vigilant when they are considering their pension options. As I said previously, this has become more challenging as UK financial advisors, brokers, pensions administrators, stockbroker, in fact, stockbrokers, in fact, anyone providing financial advice has lost the ability to advise overseas clients. Will UK pensions be impacted by the fact that the UK is no longer a member of the European Economic Community? Uh, I suppose as time passes, we're slowly learning more and more about what post-Brexit life in France looks like, what's actually changed and, and frankly, what hasn't. So far, the main issues have been technical and administrative from a pensions perspective, which most of the listeners won't have encountered. The best news must be that the UK will continue to uplift UK state pensions just the same as you are living in the UK. It will also continue to honour the S1 system for those receiving UK state pensions, but importantly, for those who will become eligible for a UK state pension in the future. France's recent confirmation that they recognise the UK is still part of the S1 family and the hold of therefore benefits from reduced social charges was excellent news. We shouldn't forget the rules can be changed, and now the UK is outside the EEC, it could very easily extend the overseas transfer charge to EU residents. It could decide to change the rules completely and tax all UK rising income in the UK as UK rental income and government paid pensions already are. If the Treasury gets its way, personal allowances could also be removed for non-UK residents, which will mean expatriates will end up paying UK income tax on every penny of UK rising income. You won't pay tax twice because of the double tax treaty, but we could easily end up paying more than we need to. If you haven't considered the impact of what might initially seem quite like a subtle change or some subtle changes, you need to dig a little deeper and understand what the ramifications could be for you before it happens. And importantly, if there is anything you can do about it before it arrives. If you're newly retired or approaching retirement, how important is it to review your overall financial planning at this stage in your life? 
Levin's Frank's foundations were, were built on a, a commitment to helping British nationals retire to much sunnier places than, say, I used this example in the past, Blackpool on a May bank holiday. My apologies to Blackpool, but even though it's, it's over 50 years ago, I still remember wearing the obligatory UK seaside attire of a cagoule and nearly being blown off my feet on the prom and thinking, why are we here and I never want to come here again? Helping UK nationals to financially settle in Europe over the past 47 years has given Blevins Franks a unique understanding of what is required when someone enters this new and exciting phase of their lives. The world is full of worriers, but in my experience, over the past 25 years, if you take the decision to leave the UK, especially when you retire and you move to France, you're usually an optimist and positive about the freedom retirement is going to offer you. As we all know, France certainly offers a beneficial lifestyle, the climate, the environment, the food, the wine and the culture. But long-term security is crucial if you're going to maximise the enjoyment of your retirement years. To achieve this, you need to take a look at your finances and the way you hold your assets. Your situation now is totally different to the days you spent grafting away in the UK, working to achieve your dreams of maybe a retirement in the south of France. You need to be prepared to make some adjustments. Retirement in Monton, Valbon, Valescu or let's say Callian is still retirement but financially is completely different to retirement Guildford, Bristol, Chester or Edinburgh or anywhere else in the UK. Retirement feels like a good time to also review your estate planning. What are the key elements we should focus on? Uh, I suppose retirement is a, is one of those milestone events, Howard, which prompts something that has always made me cringe, what's known as later life planning. I suppose it's uh, completely logical, was you, because when you retire, you're, you're usually, but not always, nearer the funeral pile, if you excuse the expression, than the maternity clinic. That said, being older doesn't make estate planning or the decisions you need to make any easier. It might sound very basic, but the first step with any estate planning is knowing what you want to happen, which means deciding who you want to benefit and how much you want them to receive. Now, this is where estate planning in France becomes a whole lot more complicated. The French Napoleonic rules are completely different to UK common law rules. French law dictates who and how much your beneficiaries will receive. Without professional advice and advanced planning, we frequently find testimony wishes are not achieved and more success, more succession taxes paid than necessarily needs to be. During these broadcasts over the past 30 years, Bill Blevins frequently quoted the phrase, render unto Caesar what is due, not a penny more, which is frequently the case with succession tax because it's paid after the benefactor dies and obviously not around to argue with the taxman. A word of warning though, or a word of caution at least, when considering estate planning, it's very important not to forget yourself. What I mean by that is, it can be very easy to let the tax tail of the dog wag the whole dog. Retirement is a new chapter in your life, which hopefully you will enjoy for many, many years to come. Giving assets away to avoid tax is not an ideal strategy in France. The French taxman is wise to that trick. And he applies gift tax at the same rates as succession tax when assets are gifted while you're still alive. Estate planning for French residents therefore needs to be much more creative and taking expert advice is usually not just helpful, it's also very economic. So if you'd like us to uh, discuss your pension situation or you've got some wider questions regarding your financial planning arrangements and you want to talk to a Blevins Franks partner, 
contact our French office by calling 0493 That's 0493-001780. Alternatively, you can call our Monaco office, so the number here is Monaco 97775574. That's 97775574. And if you prefer, you can find out more about Blevins Franks or arrange a meeting with a Blevins Franks partner by simply visiting our website, which is www.blevinsfranks.com. Many thanks, Rob, for clearing up those few misunderstandings, and I look forward to talking to you next Sunday morning. Thank you, Howard. Have a great week. The Blevins Franks Report. If you would like more information on any of the topics discussed in this program, contact your local Blevins Franks office on 0493001780 or riviera at blevinsfranks.com. Is your wealth management on track to meet your objectives and provide long-term financial security? Blevins Franks has 45 years' experience managing our clients' capital. We provide a range of integrated financial services to give you peace of mind about your future. Our investment recommendations are personalized for you and designed to be tax efficient and meet your estate planning wishes. Contact Blevins Franks on 0493001780 or visit blevinsfranks.com.